This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. And good morning, everybody. We're here until 11. Dave Grosby joining us at 1030. And in the meantime, we're going to be taking your phone calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. And of course, it's a, you know, we're now, what, uh, 10 days away from training camp. So it's like we're that much closer. Training camp starts July 27th. Uh, and of course, the first practice will be July 28th open to the public and all that stuff. I know that uh, earlier this week they started to open up the uh, sale of the uh, ability to get into training camp if you're a fan. And, of course, you got full stadium coming up this fall, all those different things. So lots of stuff going on on the football front and, of course, a lot going on in baseball. So let's keep you up to date on what's going on with headlines. Well, the Mariners had an interesting one last night. They took a 6-2 lead into the uh, bottom of the ninth, and then here come the Angels. I mean, the Angels end up getting three runs, but uh, they finally got the big out that got the uh, six, 6-5 uh, victory. And so now the Mariners are six games over 500. Go figure. Who figured that was going to be happening? And they're going to continue the series to get, they, get down in uh, Anaheim as they take on the Angels. And, of course, uh, 6-5 was the victory. Six games over 500. Kind of a remarkable achievement for the Mariners. Uh, Richard Sherman pleaded guilty, pleaded not guilty to the five charges that are against him uh, in court yesterday. And, of course, he did make a, a very thoughtful statement where he came out and said how remorseful he was for his actions on Tuesday night when, uh, you know, he drank two uh, whole bottles of booze and he ended up, uh, you know, threatening suicide. His wife, who was with him yesterday and with him the whole time and has been very supportive. In fact, they walked with hand in hand as they went into the courtroom. Uh, and, of course, the uh, problem was he had a hit and run because he ended up getting into an accident with a, in a construction area. And the construction crew people uh, were upset about that, particularly there were some problems there. And then he tried to break into the house of his in-laws, breaking, trying to break down the door. But he was remorseful and then says that he is going to try to get some help. You know, the worry is, of course, that uh, I don't know how uh, he is. I know he's on antidepressants and stuff like that, but very concerning about Richard Sherman. So Sherman, of course, uh, you know, I, I, I really like. He's one of the favorite players I've had in all the years of covering in the NFL. I'm hoping he's able to right the wrong and all that stuff. The interesting part is, you know, now the cases are not felonies. They're all now misdemeanors. And so that's taken care of. Taylor Moten. I was the only one of the seven franchise players to get a deal. He got a five-year, $85 million deal, $17 million a year. He's a Carolina Panther right tackle. The other six franchise players are just going to have to play out the season on one-year deals, and those are our headlines. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to JB in Renton. Hey, JB. Good morning to you, Mr. Clayton. How you feel on this fine? Hanging in there. Oh, let's keep hanging in there. You, you were talking about the, the, the franchise tag guy. Yeah. Now, could they make deals during the year, or that's just it? Done. Done. Once it gets past July 15th, or whatever deadline it's going to be close to July 15th, you can only you can only play on the one-year deal. Okay. Now, also, next year, mm-hmm. they'll be back into the free agency market. 
if you decide to franchise them, it goes up, right? Yeah, twenty percent. So in other words, if you get that second franchise tag, like Brandon Scherf last year got the franchise tag, and so that his salary went up twenty uh, percent to eighteen million as a guard. And then, uh, like, uh, if they want to take Marcus Williams of the New Orleans Saints and put a second franchise tag on him, they can do it. You know, they did it with uh, Justin Simmons because he was a franchise tag guy last year. But Simmons ended up getting a deal as the highest-paid safety in Denver. I mean, and so he got $15.25 million. So, yeah, you can, put, you can do it at two times. But three times is really tough. Like, for example, in the case of Scherf, if they put the franchise tag on him next year, it's going to go up to quarterback numbers at 25 Wow, yeah, yeah, it, it, it would be, well, presumably the tag is going to go up pretty good next year, right? You would think so, yeah, because, uh, you know, the cap's going to go up. I don't know if it's going to uh-huh. go up to the uh, 208.5 that's now what's going to be the, the max you can go next year, but it's definitely going to go up. And one thing about the uh, franchise tag, it is tied to the uh, salary cap number. Oh, okay. All right. Well, hey, let's wait and see till next year. Mr. Clayton, you got Melvin Ingram. He's still out there. Yeah. Hey, where would you see him going? I mean, I think he's still a decent pass. Yeah, still, I mean, and I think he fits better in a 4-3 than a 3-4. I mean, he's big enough to play as a defensive uh, end in a 3-4, but I, I think right now he's probably a better defensive end. So I don't know. Uh, right now, it's just it's been real slow, and it's been real slow. Period. I know, like this past week, mm-hmm. uh, there was only one player uh, that ended up getting a deal, and that was Isaiah Ford, uh, a former 2007 wide receiver draft choice of the Miami Dolphins, resigning. And really, there's only been like about uh, you know over 53 players or something like that since May 2nd who are unrestricted free agents that ended up signing. So it's like, yeah, it's been a real slow market. Uh, and you know, Melvin Ingram's out there. I mean, he's among the uh, the best as far as the uh, un- 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 the guys that are just available. I mean, Richard Sherman had been. But right now, he's a little tainted, I guess. And then, of course, number two was Russell Okung, and number four was KJ Wright. Yeah, now, 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 looking at Melvin Ingram, could you see him going to Kansas City with the situation going on with Frank Clark? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because, again. You could see that situation, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, and, of course, I mean, the weird part on the Frank Clark thing is that, uh, you know, he faces three years in jail with uh, having, and this is on the first gun incident that happened back in March, you know, where he had a uh, pistol and another firearm in his car, and that, uh, so he, that he gets arrested for that, and then this doesn't include, you know, the Uzi. I mean, and you figured the Uzi is going to even be more significant. So there's a decent yeah. chance that uh, he's going to get suspended, and certainly because again, you know how Roger Goodell is with gun problems. You know, any kind of yeah. gun issue right now, he's not. He's very, very adamant about. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, Frank's Frank's in trouble, and I can see Ingram fitting in. Oh, okay. Uh, let's go. All right. Speaking of Kansas City, the offensive tackle that was there, Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah. Now, he's another offensive tackle. You look at Pittsburgh's situation over there in Pittsburgh, you know, just mm-hmm. looking at it, would, would he be a good fit there? I think so, but then the question is going to be, does he want to play? Because I know that uh, yeah. you know, when he was cut, there was talk that he was thinking about retirement. And if that's going to be the case, then obviously it's not going to work. I mean, they have Zach Banner there right now to try to fill mm-hmm. the void. 
And, you know, he's a big guy, and he's been there for more than a year. But I think that uh, Mitchell Schwartz has to be some consideration because, again, I mean, he's a very good right tackle. He is. He's a good right tackle. And, and Pittsburgh's offensive line got decimated due to retirement and them letting letting uh, the, big, the big guard leave. I mean, I know they brought in Trey Tony, mm-hmm. but, you know, I mean, they could use some help on that side. You know, I know he's not, you know, you know, I just thought Schwartz would be a guy that would be interested in. I, I got one more guy. Uh, Justin Houston. Yeah. I, I don't I don't look at him as being particularly highly productive anymore. I mean, he went to Baltimore. He went to a couple places and had some had some talk to him. You know, mm-hmm. did you see him picking up somebody picking him up? I can see it. I mean, and again, we we got so many guys, and so much of it that was held them back is that these are guys in their thirties. And the yeah. guys in their 30s are, you know, just kind of being ignored with the cap being down 8%. Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, you know, so, as we get closer to camp and we get into camp, a lot of these guys are going to get deals, even though they're going to be minimum. I went through and looked at, uh, you know, all the signings past May the 2nd, right? May the 2nd mm-hmm. being the last day of unrestricted free agency. And how about this number? There's only six yeah. players that got $3 million or more. And wow. I'm not talking about you know contract extensions or anything like that. I'm just talking about free agents on the street, whether they're unrestricted free agents or cut. I mean, you had uh, Eric Fisher getting $8.3 million to go to Indianapolis. You got Alejandro Villanueva getting $7 million to go to Baltimore. You had uh, Sheldon Richardson getting 3.6 to go to Minnesota. You got Morgan Moses getting 3.6 to go to the New York Jets. Brashad Breeland got $3 million as a cornerback to go to Minnesota. And then finally you had uh, Jawan James going to Baltimore for 3 million and that's it. And so I think what yeah. ends up happening is that, you know, here's all these guys, you know, they've been making 10 million, 8 million, 9 million, whatever it's going to be. And they're saying, well, we're only going to pay you three. Oh, I, I'm not going to play for that. Well, guess what? That's what the market is. It's not changing. And it's only getting worse. Oh, well, you know, when it comes to mind, what you're talking about making $3 million compared to $10 million, look mm-hmm. at oh, what's going to happen with K.J. Wright. Agreed. I mean, he's like, uh, you know, he's not going to, I mean, you can see that, uh, you know, he's going to be lucky to be able to salvage three, $3 million. And, you know, at some point, and, you know, players have to make value judgments in that. Is that, mm-hmm. uh, is it worth it? You know, when, if you're nine, 10 years into the league to put your body at risk for 3 million, but again, it's not going to get any better. You know, I think that was going through Russ, uh, Richard Sherman's mind. Uh, you know, with the problems that he's had this off season, it's like here I'm a guy that's made over ten million dollars for the longest period of time, and it's like you want me to play for three million, and that's how bad it is. Uh, that's that, like you said, right now with the way the cap is situated right now, and the way that you, you're coming up to training camp, you got undrafted free agents, you got rookies mm-hmm. that have been drafted. You're in a bind unless somebody. Unless you're waiting for the injury bug to hit a team in, in, in training camp, but yeah. I don't still see them giving you that kind of money anyway. No, no, no. It's like, so where, where do you see KJ Wright going? You see him coming back? I have no or, idea. Or, it's like no, because it, it, one of the problems he faces is that there's only like about 14 teams that are in four-three defenses, and he's not a three-four outside linebacker because those three-four outside linebackers have to have pass rush. But he's a great player. And so, I mean, you know, the Raiders would be a fit, but they seem to be okay, at least in their mind, at the outside linebacker position. You know, Dallas is, they, they seem to be fine. 
you know, most of the teams with three, four linebackers have made four, three linebackers have made their moves if they needed anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel I feel he he burned that bridge at thirty one years old. He's mm-hmm. got to make that decision as right. far as that's concerned. God, geez. yeah, I think he's a real. I think he's still a productive player. Oh no, no, I mean, I thought he had uh, maybe his best season last year. I mean, he was yeah. all over the place. And, you know, particularly yeah. with the two games that opened up the season, you know, Indianapolis and Tennessee, at Indianapolis and uh, Tennessee coming to town, I mean, uh, they've got good running games, and he would be so valuable in being able to stop stop the running games. But, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, are you willing to play for a lower amount of money? Because remember, one of the things that he said, and he was making, what, $7 million a year on his last contract here, is that I don't want to take a hometown discount. Well, guess what? Uh, I mean, it's not a hometown discount. It's an NFL uh, salary cap discount because, again, with the salary cap going down 8% to 182.5, I mean, nobody's going to pay him $7 million plus. Yeah, that's true. What about Drake Kirkpatrick? Uh, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll get a deal someplace. It's just that, uh, like anything else, it's like, uh, you know, where, where is it going to be? That's true. Hey, JB, thank you for the phone call. All right, Mr. Clayton, talk to you next Saturday, my friend. All right, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Gary Hill from the broadcasting team of the Mariners will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we're taking your phone calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Raider Jim. Hey, Jim. Hi, John. How you doing? Hanging in there. Good. Good, John. Okay, I, I want to talk to you about two things. Basically, you know, coaching over the course of a season and uh, some offensive stats. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, I listened to that Ringer show with Sean McVay and Peter Schrager. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes with snippets, uh, oh, by the way, schools with the, with the professor, the gentleman you talked about with the 49ers, that was really a nice uh Oh, Nick podcast, Wagner, yeah. John. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, sometimes when you listen to podcasts or something, you get little snippets, and they actually make you think, they make you they make you ponder about things. One of the things that was great about the schools with the professor podcast was the notion of transitioning from the preseason to the, to the regular season when it comes to quarterback relationships the you know the second string quarterback or the up-and-comer as opposed to the seasoned veteran mm-hmm. and i thought that was really great insight that you guys just discussed about you know yeah they'll answer questions and yeah they'll 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 uh, you know the, the new kid they'll entertain questions but then when it comes to the regular season it's really about winning and it's really about you know team chemistry and that's where the transition takes place and i thought that was actually very very you know it makes a lot of sense but by the same token, it's like, yeah, it, it has to happen. If it's not going to happen, there could be turmoil in that locker room. Oh, yeah, no question. I think you can see that uh, there was some turmoil last year in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz. And I don't think it was a matter that he did not like uh, Jalen Hurst, but certainly turmoil in how he related with the uh, front office. And uh, he didn't like the criticism from Doug Peterson and different people in the organization. And yeah, it just was a, it was a bad situation. I, I go back to... Uh, Greg Roman. And when Greg Roman was with the 49ers, you know, that's when they were developing Colin Cowher, uh, Colin, Colin Ka- uh, Kaepernick. And right. so what he told me was that, you know, what was so good is that, 
you need a good quarterback, a veteran quarterback in the room to to make it work and have a good quarterback room. And that at that time they had Alex Smith. Sure. Okay, so Smith was being phased out as a starter, and so but the, he said that Alex basically took Colin Ka- a Kaepernick under his wings, and then uh, you know put him in a position where. It's like, okay, I'm going to teach you everything. It's like, here's what you need to do. When you wake up in the morning, you do this. When you get to the op- uh, office, uh, you do this. I mean, here's how you deal with the media. I mean, he did that, and he did the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. And so it's like you have that good quarterback in the room, and uh, you know he takes care of it. And you can see that as of, uh, as of right now, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been more help than anything else to Trey Lance. Sure, of course. Yeah, great example, by the way. Really good example. Um, yeah, so you get those little snippets, and Sean McVay and Peter Schrager were talking about how Sean can gauge whether or not a team is doing better by virtue of their record over time. In other words, they may start out pretty bad, mm-hmm. especially with a new head coach, but then over time uh, you can see where they're improving. If they're improving, that's a good sign. Uh, namely, they were talking about the coach over there with the New York Giants. And and uh, I thought that was a key insight. Uh, and we that's not the issue with the Las Vegas Raiders. The, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, come out like gangbusters. They do real well, at least over the last two seasons. And then they petered out. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's a problem for John Gruden. And I think that uh, that can, you know, look, take a look at his overall record. Uh, his overall record is just about 500. But, the, I mean, shoot, I mean, last three seasons have not been good for the Raiders. And uh, that, that's a problem, John. Yeah, agreed. I mean, what you wonder um, about sometimes, and I don't know if this is the case with the Raiders, is that uh, you, you can have the guys on the field, but do you wear them down to a point where they wear down in the second half of the season, You know, both emotionally, mentally, and physically? Yeah. I don't think they give Gruden enough credit for being a, a much more congenial guy personally. Yeah, uh, I know that he can be petulant. When, you know, you talk about it a lot on on, on your various media um, uh, portals, but you know he has mellowed out a bit. You don't necessarily get to see the Chucky that you once saw when he in his in his, in his first stint with. Well, oh, I, I still think you see the Chucky. <laughs> I don't. I, I question that. I, I think yeah. you still see him. I think it's a problem, John. I, I don't know what it's all about. Obviously, I'm, I'm I'm not an insider or anything like that. It's just I'm gleaning this from records, from data, uh, just the general beat and pulse, some of the media reports you hear about and stuff. But it's really hard to gauge, like, okay, what are they doing wrong? <laughs> well, again, I, I think a lot of it has to be the personnel decisions. I just don't yeah. think there's a plan. I mean, well, uh, I know you talk about that, John. You know, look, Mayock came out and gave more clarity earlier in the week with Lindsey Rhodes on the NFL Network saying, look, you know, we needed to get cheaper and we needed to get uh, more athletic on the offensive line. And he said before he actually was hired, you know, and when he was an analyst of the NFL Network, he would always say, look, you can't let your offensive line grow, grow, grow old together. And that's what was happening. That was his major concern mm-hmm. even before he was hired. And then look at the salary cap space that supported them because of those. Um, they've been able to get Yannick and Gakwe, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's been an improvement. And well, I, 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 I think the offensive line's a disaster. But here's the thing, John. I mean, yes, I think you guys got Gabe Jackson, and that's going to be great for the Seattle Seahawks. I think that's definitely the, the case. Yeah, yeah. He's a seasoned and true veteran. But Trent Brown, on the other hand, he said in that interview, he goes, look, you have to be available and you have to be healthy. And Trent Brent was neither of those things for this team. 
That's what he said. And he said, look, he was making $14 million a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just like it's not worth it. You know, let's cut our losses. That's the thing you got to admire about these guys is that if they think they've made a mistake, they're going to cut their losses. Not like the old regimes where they would, based on pride and based on some kind of ego, right. that they would keep players for, for years beyond their uh, capacity to be productive on the field. Yeah, but so, here's where the problem is. It's like, okay, so you make that move, and it's like, okay, so you're you're now younger at guard. I mean, you, I mean, I think that they overpaid uh, Colton Miller. I mean, you know, he only had one good year, and he gets like eighteen million dollars. It's like, are you kidding me? Uh, that, that's like, I think he they waited, they, they did that too soon, and then here they make the move on Marcus Hudson trading him and uh, going with James. As this as a starting center, and I saw that uh, I think it was Pro Football Focus. You know, they rated Hudson one of the best centers in the league. He goes to Arizona, and they rated James as the worst center in the league. I think Hudson is the best center in in, in the NFL, in my opinion. And they and they traded um, him. I know they traded him, but they wanted to use a philosophy similar to Belichick: trade him before they get too old, and they can get something for him. And they got three mid-round draft picks because of those moves, John. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that'll, that'll be great. <laughs> All right, John, I was looking at stats about offenses. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, well, who are the top-ranked offenses? And according to ESPN stats, and what they do is they take the games played, they take a combination of the rushing yards yeah. and, and, the, and the passing yards. They divide that up and give them a total. And, of course, Kansas City, number one, Buffalo's number two, Tennessee, three, Minnesota, four, Green Bay, five. And then of the rounding out the top ten, they got Arizona, Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, the Chargers, and Indianapolis. Uh, I don't think there's any surprises there, aside from the fact that Tennessee and Minnesota are up there in the top five, primarily based on their running capacity. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, again, it's like uh, when you have a two thousand yard runner like Derrick Henry, you know, that's going to bump your number up, and uh, certainly when you have good quarterbacks. But I think the interesting thing is that what you're looking at in the a lot, a lot of those teams are AFC teams that have good young quarterbacks, and yeah. they just keep getting better. Hey, uh, Jim, thank you for the phone call. Okay, John, take care. All right, thank you. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Bill in Seattle. Hey, Bill. Well, hi, John. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hey, pretty good. Hey, just real quick, uh, I'm I'm disappointed in the uh, the soft the soft coverage of this Richard Sherman thing, and how they're treating him very soft. I'll tell you what, drunk driving is a very mm-hmm. very serious thing, and especially you know he could have killed somebody out there in the road, and then and then hit and run is leaving the scene of an accident. He left the scene and went on foot. He totaled his Mercedes, and then once he got to the uh, the in-laws' homes. I mean, who, who knows? Were, were they going to have crumpets and tea if he had a broke-in? I mean, this stuff should have been a Class C felony, John. I'm just being honest. Well, it initially know? was, and then they took it down to a misdemeanor uh, because now you have five of them. I mean, I still, I right. still think that. Uh, I mean, you know, most of the the things are like uh, 90 days, and you know, one could be up to a year and stuff like that. But uh, yes. no, I, I, yeah, I, just, no, I, I just wanted to mention that. And get on to one other, yeah. uh, one other thing um, before the break here, John. The NFC West, um, we've talked about it before. It's really, really tough. Um, quite frankly, I was disappointed in Russell Wilson for not showing up the first three or four days back in June on the OTAs because the other three teams, Garoppolo, Murray, and Stafford, all showed up from the start and they established a chemistry 
with their offensive coordinator and with the receivers right away. So I'm just disappointed in that. What, what are your thoughts? Well, again, it's not just Russell Wilson. It was a team thing. I mean, because, again, the team had the boycott. I mean, they had more than 50 players that were involved in the boycott, and that included Russell Wilson. So, as, I mean, again, it, it didn't help the uh, the organization as far as being able to pick things up. But, again, it was like it's not just a Russell Wilson thing. It was a team thing. I mean, Russell, of course, has spent a lot of time, whether it's down in San Diego or wherever, you know, getting together with the offensive players and trying to, you know, work things on the offense. He stayed in touch, you know, on Zoom with uh, the offensive coordinator, trying to, you know, get a knowledge of the offense. And then he came in for the, uh, you know, the one week of the OTAs and the three mini camps, and maybe that wasn't enough time. But technically, the time that uh, they spent, as it turns out, on the field was as much as uh, you know, San Francisco. Because remember, San Francisco had to cut things short because of all the injuries that they had. Oh, the fact that yes. They, and so it's like, a, you know, it's like what they had, uh, like seven practices, and I think it was probably seven for the 49ers after they had cut things short. So, and, and really, when you look at the, the way the OTAs were this year, I mean, they were kind of modified because there was less work overall on the field than there normally was. I mean, you're, you're mostly in seven-on-seven seven and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, sure, it would have been better to be able to do it. But, again, it's like this is what the team did, not what just Russell Wilson did. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, John. Hey, thanks so much for uh, for being available to us. We sure appreciate it. Okay, Bill. Hey, thank you very much. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. My bad. Uh, we're gonna, uh, Gary Hill will be joining us at 9.30, Dave Grosby at 10.30. So we are taking your phone calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Patrick in Kent. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good morning, John. How's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Uh want to talk about the Mariners. The yeah. thing that's bothering me a bit about is their hitting. They're in the bottom at two average of 217. That's, that needs to change. Yeah, but again, so much of it is because they're so young, and they have so many young guys, guys that are batting in the low 200s or in the 100s and all that different stuff. And it just and again, this is a year in baseball where hitting just isn't there. I mean, what is considered to be the second 1968 with Bob Gibson and all the great pitchers and all that stuff was the uh, the toughest year for anybody you know being able to hit. And I think what the average is up a little bit because it went from 234 to 240 uh, league wide. And so that's just the way the, the game is. And again, that's why some things have to change. Whether it's going to be you know the ball. Uh, the because again the game is basically you know walk strikeout home run and that's it and you know now you have you know pitchers all throwing you know 94 95 miles an hour but uh, you know the big thing is did you anticipate that this team was going to be six games over 500? Oh yeah, oh wow yeah that's true that's true yeah. I mean again and and, and the big thing and the big thing about their hitting, sure they're not hitting for average. But when they need to get the hits, particularly later in the games and in extra innings, they're getting the hits there. Because, again, when you think about it, okay, you know, Hanniger's having a great season, Seager's having a great season, and then, you know, uh, Crawford's having a great season. But all the other guys are all young that you didn't even know were going to be on the team this year for the most part. Yeah. 
I hope that they don't trade Hanniger. They better not. I agree. For trading. And what else? What do you see? To, what could? Who could be on the trading block then? Mm, I mean, I think they need to acquire, and so what they need to do is that uh, you know, because again, what you're looking at, you know, what they what they need is maybe another reliever or two, or they maybe need a fill-in starter, and they need probably somebody as a DH first baseman. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't. I, I think that it's more you know trading somebody who's like the you know 20th or 25th prospect on the team as opposed to uh, you know somebody up top. But I, I think that you know they're in a position right now, six games over 500, where it's like okay, they're close to the wild card. They may not get the wild card, but they're within range. And you know, getting something to add to the roster is going to be important. Yeah. One last thing, I I heard you on Sirius XM the other day. Yeah, was that a last second decision by them? What do you mean? Oh, did they? Did you? Were you filling in? Yeah, I was. I, was I, 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 I feel I was filling in, and uh, like for example, I'm hosting uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on Moving the Chains. But uh, you know, Sirius. In fact, they just renewed my contract to be a fill-in. Unfortunately, they don't have a lot of fill-ins because everybody's working from home, and so nobody takes off. But yeah, I mean, at the last minute, somebody was wasn't able to show up, so, so I did the show with Alex Marvez, and then this week on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and this will be from twelve until four. I'll be doing it with Max Starks. Oh, yeah, it's fun to listen to you there. Thank you very much. Okay, Patrick, thank you. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Mike in Renton. Hey, Mike. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. How's Pat? Okay. Good, 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 good. Hey, John, I'd like to make a quick comment on the Sherman thing. Yeah. Um, you know, do you remember a player back in the day named Dennis Thurman came out of USC? Yeah, yeah. Safety, and then he mm-hmm. played with the Cowboys? Right. My younger brother played football in high school with him. After his days of retiring, he talked to him from time to time. He said that when ex-players are about to retire, are retiring, they go through a lot of different issues. They're trying to find their way in life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of them have a tendency to do things out of the ordinary, like maybe experiment with drugs or drink more than they should. And uh, he says they just find it very hard to adjusting to ordinary life. And not only that, it's dealing with a lot of things such as family, the kids, the mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. So do you think maybe what Sherman was going through, he had a lot on the plate? Could be, yeah, because, again, it's like uh, you know he wanted to continue to play. He kept on talking about it. But, again, you're talking about a guy that had so many opportunities. I mean, he uh, you know, he had a podcast that I think was doing pretty well. He could have gone into broadcasting. You know, at some point, you know, years from now, he could be the head of the union. Uh, he's such a bright guy, and then of course he still wanted to play football. I mean, again, he can go into he could have gone into TV probably, but yeah. uh, I, I think what ended up happening is that you know this past season threw him off because of the injuries and everything else, and then I don't know what else has gone in his life that's uh, caused the problems, but certainly there's problems because again, it's not just like an overnight thing because you go back to February and uh, there was an order placed against him to make sure that he doesn't get near any guns. And so it's like, okay. And then you find out as time was going on, players were going over to his house trying to calm him down 
uh, with his emotions and stuff like that. He was taking antidepressants. And so uh, whatever was going on, whether it was, you know, worrying about getting back into football, whether it was, uh, you know, the, the I, I can't imagine the economics because, again, you know, he had at least uh, six, seven years where he's making over $10 million a year. So it's like mm. economics couldn't be part of it, but whatever it is, something's yeah. a part of it. Yeah. Hey, John, did you hear the news out of Pittsburgh about Ben? Uh, that he's thinner than, uh, that he's in better shape than Tom Brady, which I don't believe. Which I got the story is that uh, he's starting to eat right. Yeah. He's exercising. He mm-hmm. lost a ton of weight, but I wish he would have did that six years ago. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, but at least he did it this year. Uh, I think it's a little too late. Could be. I mean, his his ratings have dropped out. But again, I, I still I, I think everybody because I know I do a segment in Pittsburgh, and a lot of people want to run him out of town. It's like, well, wait a second. He's your only chance to get to the playoffs because yeah. again, he's still so talented. And I mean, you can see he's serious about the critics and trying to you know calm them down and do more things. But I give him credit. Now again, is he in better shape than Tom Brady? There is. No way. And the reason I say no way is because yeah. you know Tom Brady's been on the TV12 diet and program for the longest time because he created it and he uses it and you can see how thin he is and how good he looks. I mean, you know, he's a uh, you know 43 year old quarterback who looks like he's 27. Where yeah, Ben, he looks young. yeah, where Ooh. Ben looks like a 37 year old quarterback who looks like he's 37. Yeah. But, I mean, he just needs to have a good season. But, again, yeah. say what you want. It's like people criticize him, and certainly the offense that they had for him last year was terrible. But they went 11-0. and 0 Yeah. To hey, start John. the season. Yeah. Hey, John, did the Steelers wave Haskins? No. Because he had an incident with his wife. Yeah, but you remember, his, his wife was the one that was charged. Because apparently, I guess, uh, they were in Vegas with a bunch of uh, friends and all that stuff. And uh, apparently... Like in Haskins' case, he and his buddies wanted to go before uh, he was waiting for the women, and the women, uh, you know, were a little slow in going, and so uh, they started to leave. And you know, she ends up getting mad and punching him in the face and knocking a tooth out. Hey, John, honestly, do you think he's going to work out there? No, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, he's got the talent to be able to do it, but again, you just kind of. He just wonders, like, it's always something with him, whether yeah. it's a lack of leadership, whether the players didn't like him, whatever it is. And then here it is, you know, an incident with his wife where his wife punches him in the face and knocks a tooth out. Yeah. From what I've seen down through the years, he looked like he's not motivated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, I mean, it's not through the years because he's, he's so, what, yeah. uh, second year? Second third year. year. Yeah, second year in the league. So it's not like there's a long time that he's been out there. Hey, John, you're on XL uh, Satellite. What, what what days are you on there? Well, I mean, again, I'm not on. I mean, I'm a fill-in, so it's like whenever they let me know. Uh, so I I filled in on uh, Thursday uh, on late hits from four until seven, and then I got moving the chains from twelve until four on Wednesday through Friday this week. Oh, okay. Because I heard you yesterday. Yeah. About you meeting in Sony Hall. That must have been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, that was on. Uh, that was on uh, with uh, Dave and uh, Bob Grosby on the yeah. four o'clock. All right, John, you have a good weekend and take care. Okay, Mike, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jordan in San Diego. Hey, Jordan. 
Hey, John. How you doing today? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. Hey, I wanted to ask, um, uh, with how stacked the NFC West is this year, how do the Seahawks stack up, and do they have the talent at all the position groups to contend for NFC Super Bowl beyond? I do. I mean, they won 12 games last year, and I contend that they have a little bit more talent this year. Now, obviously, uh, it's questionable, I guess, at the cornerback position because Shaquille Griffin is no longer here. He went to Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, they they hope to get by with D.J. Reed, Akello Witherspoon, Trey Flowers, or whatever. You know, on the defensive line, uh, they're better. they got Kerry Hyder added on. You know, they've got Daryl Taylor now in the mix because he missed all last year with that uh, uh, rod in his leg. Uh, and he's also going to help out a strong, say, a, a strong outside linebacker. Uh, Gabe Jackson, I think, helps improve the offensive line. And, you know, a wide receiver, you know, and again, it's, it's not like the team is done adding, you know, because, for example, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, Alden Smith, we haven't heard out why that case, which was supposed to be on July 14th, uh, has not had any kind of resolution, you know, because, you know, the fight that he had uh, with the person down in New Orleans in a, a coffee cafe, which is kind of weird, but it's like, right. uh, but again, you know, he, he would add to the pass rush. And so, no, I, I, I think right now, and of course, if they get Josh Gordon back, because Josh... Uh, I think still wants to be in Seattle. Uh, then you know they have him and they have Dwayne uh, Eskridge at uh, wide receiver. I think that they got a, a decent addition in Gerald Everett. So I, I think right now they're in good shape. I mean, where where I think what taints things is that people so got wrapped up in the stupid Russell Wilson story and right. which was overdone. And so because of that, they're like, Oh, there's a mess in the franchise. So Seattle's going to be third. But I think for talent, because I mean, you look at it, Seattle added talent. Okay. Mm-hmm. You look at the, the Rams and they're, they're going to be better without question with Matthew Stafford, but they lost mm-hmm. four starters on defense to be able to get Matthew Stafford's contract in and, you know, move the contract of uh you know the jared goff and so it's like uh i i, I still think right now seattle and san francisco is going to bounce back but uh you know the you got the, the the division still comes down to in many ways who's the best quarterback and who has the most talent and even though it's going right. to be very close i still think seattle has the most talent do you think that arizona will be in the mix or do you still think they're a couple years out from mm-hmm being contending with Seattle and the 49ers and I, I think they're good enough right now to win uh, eight or nine games so I mean again I think yeah I mean I, I look at them as a possible wild card contender but I don't know if they can get to 10 or 11 now again mm-hmm. the schedule I mean it, the schedule can be tough particularly if uh, Aaron Rodgers comes back uh, mm-hmm. you know of course they added Pittsburgh that they have to play on the road because of the 17 game season and all that stuff but uh, I still think overall that Arizona is definitely in the mix but again I don't know if they can catch up to San Francisco to uh, uh, the Rams and to the Seahawks gotcha now kind of going back to the I, I want to bring up Dwayne Eskridge do you think that he so as the roster currently sits yeah um, do you think he would be a wide receiver three, or do you think they're going to use him more on special teams? No, wide receiver, wide receiver three. They'll use him on special teams because he's such a good returner. But I think right uh-huh. now he's the leading candidate for wide receiver three. Now, if they get Josh Gordon back, then it's going to be a good competition, and it would be you know better because it, it buys time so that they don't have to rush Estridge 
But I think that uh, you uh-huh. know, what, what you're looking at is that he's got great speed. He's got the ability to play outside. Uh, and I think that they like him a lot. And he was a second-round pick. True, yeah. About Gerald Everett, um, mm-hmm. how how do you think he's going to fit in? Because we know that Russ loves his tight end, yeah, but yeah. he seems more like he seems more athletic than like any tight end that we've had lately. Does that do you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah, but also understand, you know, uh, he fits the offense because now the offense, you know, with the. Uh, the new coordinator being his former tight end coach when he came into the league knows how to do it. And of course, I think there's going to be a little bit more to tight end. Now, I think, what did they use? Like 17, 18% of the time they used two tight end last year. I think there'll be a little bit more of that because one of the things in this uh, Ram 49er Kyle Shanahan type offense is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you like the two tight ends because it puts you in a position where one, uh, you, you're less predictable as far as what you're going to do because you don't know if it's going to be a run, you don't know if it's going to be a pass. You have the blocking for the run, and you have the, still the ability to make a pass. Hey, Jordan, thank you for the phone call. Hey, thanks so much, John. Have a good one. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, good morning, John. I'm out walking for you. Oh, good. I got two points about Richard Sherman. I'm really disappointed in the fact that he resisted arrest in this era of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he, he, he uh, it was a disservice to the to the his, to his role model status that he did this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear the fact that they turned a dog on him that that somehow this was a racist arrest. I mean, come on, Richard, you, you, you're smart enough to know in in the culture we're in right now that you don't resist arrest. But he did it. I just don't understand what you know why he's. He's getting kind of a free ride on that. Well, not it's not. Let's put it this way: it's not one of those things for a protest thing. I mean, he, he drank two bottles of hard liquor, two bottles of hard liquor. Do you think he was thinking? I mean, if you watch the the video of him pounding a door, do you think he was thinking? No. I mean, you know, he you know got in his car, which was dumb. Uh, you know, he, he then hit an accident scene, you know, in a construction area where there's construction people there. He leaves it. And then, of course, uh, you know, all of a sudden here he is. He's pounding on the door physically to the point where he's breaking the door down. You know, yeah. he gets uh, pepper spray or whatever spray that, uh, you know, the uncle had and got him sprayed in the well, face. Well, his uncle had his pistol. So I, I, yeah. I, I think Richard Sherman's lucky he didn't break that door down. You're right, 100%. Yeah, because, again, it's like uh, it, it was bad. And you, know, you saw the video and how he was pounding it and all that stuff. But do you think that this was a Black Lives Matter type of protest? No, they, he was they, drunk. Yeah, but they turned it in. The, the arrest, are gonna say, well, it was like Alabama. They turned the dogs on him. Yeah, and as they, as, as they should, because just to calm him down. Because also the combination of the fact that he had two bottles of hard liquor— and he was taking antidepressants. I mean, that's a bad combination. So if Richard Sherman earlier in the year they took his gun away from a protective order because he threatened suicide, yeah, does the NFL have any kind of protocol in the players' agreement that, I mean, should Richard Sherman really play this year if he's this close to killing himself? I mean, should he take the year off? Do they have anything like a, a opt-out like they did with COVID? I mean, I just think the man needs to take care of his own personal business and football be damned well i mean that's uh, pretty much where it's going to be right now because i question any team in in the immediate future that's going to sign him now i'm not saying what that's going to be like you know a month or two two months three months from now but of course you know there's nothing that the league can do and the players association to do than offer him support i mean you know again you know you have guys with cte and you have 
st- stuff like that and guys that uh, you know have issues off the field. But again, it's not like there's you know some list of something you can go on to get this fixed. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying, and, and I, I don't believe that you're saying this, but it, it it kind of the implication is that again, no matter what your condition is, mental, physical, or whatever, you want to kill yourself. But if you still can play, you you we can get you a job. To me, that's sick. No, but again, that's that's up to the team. I mean, if the team looks at it and says, "Wait a second, this guy uh, wants to commit suicide," I mean, nobody's going to sign him. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, that's a it's a team I decision. Sherman and his family. What's that? I said I pray for Richard Sherman and his family that he gets things resolved. I hope he does. I mean, because I like a, him a lot. He's a young man. Mm-hmm. So, okay, God bless you, John. All right, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Gary Hill joining us at 930. Dave Grosby at 1030. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.